Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. I heard this morning as we came in in the staff, you know, uh, one, one, one of the guys was celebrating, you know, he was celebrating that the, the, he's a basketball fan at the Golden State Warriors got defeated and, and they looked like they might go down this year for the first time and they were all excited and they were saying, oh, it was a great day that, you know, the Golden State lost, you know, they were all happy and they were telling people because they were happy about something. You know, imagine, I mean, how many, how many like, how many like uh, football, uh, soccer, you know, football, how many like that? Yeah, well, what's your, what's your favorite team? Do you have a favorite team? Anybody have a favorite team? Arsenal. Arsenal. I kind of like Arsenal. You know, and you see some people who are, you know, Manchester United, you know, right away, enemy, enemy, you know, right, right? You know, so if you're watching Arsenal, you know, and, 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 and they score a goal, I'm sure you just go, yeah, that's nice, that's really good. I'm sure you, like, don't get excited. Matter of fact, you know, if the pressure is on and it's in, it's in the zone and, and it looks like they're forming up and they're about to, you know, make a couple of passes and score a goal. I'm sure you just get up and, you know, go to the toilet. You don't really care, right? No. When they score, you jump. You celebrate. You, you know, because you experience something. And, and, and the only people who can tell others about the goodness of God are those who experience the goodness of God, and many of you are sitting here today. The only way we're going to set people free is when free people go and tell others how to get set free. Can I get an amen? You know, I mean, if, if, if I wanted to stay in America and make money and do the thing, I would have stayed there, but I, God's called me here, and I heard in my heart and I really experienced this. I heard in my heart thousands of Indonesians crying out for Jesus. I had to come. I had to come. There are many, many people crying out for help all over the place. Can I get an amen? amen. And today we're going to look in the Gospel of John. We're going to look in the fourth chapter about a woman. Now, some of you might already know the story. It's a woman at the well, and, and Jesus talks to this woman at the well. She lives in Samaria, and, uh, and some things happen, and let's kind of jump in, and I'll talk more about it as we go. Now, we had to go through, uh, or Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Shekhar, near the plot of uh, ground Jacob had been given to his son Joseph. Now, just so you know, most Jews did not go through Samaria. They went around Samaria. They went around Samaria because Samaria was like, you know, they're like unclean people who don't know what they're doing. They're basically outcasts, you know. But Jesus goes through. And it says, and Jacob's well was there, and when and Jesus, uh, uh, excuse me, Jesus was tired from the journey. He sat down at the well. I have a feeling he had more of an agenda than that. But he sat down at the well, and it was about noon, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said, will you give me a drink? Now, what happens then is this whole conversation goes on between uh, Jesus and this woman. And, uh, and then, after the conversation, it says, it says in verse 28, it says, Then leaving her water, because she went out to get water, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out 
from the town of the town and made their way towards him. Now, in a minute, we're going to talk about the conversation, but I just want to kind of say this to you. The first thing I see as I read this, this chapter is I see that anyone, anyone who has an encounter with God, anyone who has an encounter with Jesus will end up experiencing something amazing. Can I get an amen? How many here have encountered Jesus and the Holy Spirit and have, uh, you know, have uh, experienced something amazing? Yeah, amen? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't hard for me to say, hey, do you want to dance? And, you know, I saw some people pushing others out of the way to get up here because they've had an encounter with Jesus and they, and they love to dance and sing and celebrate in the presence of God. You know, God loves when we celebrate. Do you know that? Like, I didn't understand this until I became a grandpa. Uh, by the way, you know, a new one again. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. You know, um, honestly, when my kids were growing up, I really did not like two-year-olds. I didn't like two-year-olds. I just, my, I, honestly, I struggled to love my kids when they were two. I'm convinced that God makes two-year-olds cute so we don't kill them. Uh, <laughs> but... But now that I'm a grandpa, you know, I love when Nina just dances in front of me. I could sit there all day and just watch her dance, and she sings, and, 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 and you know, like, she sings, and Rachel's sad because so far she has Daniel's voice, and, you know, um, <laughs> but, um, like, I just, enjoy, I just get such pleasure just sitting there watching her dance. Even though she doesn't dance well, there's nothing great about the way she dances. And she asked me to play Legos. I play Legos with her. She wants to do Play-Doh. I, I do Play-Doh with her. It doesn't really matter to me. I just want to be with her. And I love when she just dances and stuff. And that's the same way I believe God feels when we come and we celebrate and worship. Can I get an amen? It's true. I really believe that. I believe, you know, I mean, there's nothing fancy about the way we do it. I mean, I watch the way Arnold dances. I mean, you know, I mean, but God is like loving it. God is like, go for it, Arnold. And then he looks at me, fat guy, trying to jump, and I can only get like this far off the ground, you know, and he just loves it, man. He loves it. I know he does. And this is the way, so what happens is when you have an experience with God, you know, it changes you. And the only way to have an experience is to encounter God, and that's what happened to this woman, I mean, it happened to the blind guy. The blind guy, uh, he couldn't see, and, uh, and all of a sudden, God, Jesus comes up and heals him, and he's talking to, like, the heads of state. He's, he's talking to the big religious leaders, and, and, and they're talking to him. He goes, I don't know anything. He goes, I don't even know who Jesus is. Like, I don't know if he's a prophet. I don't know what he is. All I know is once I was blind, and then he touched me, and I can see. By the way, last week, that happened in our medical clinic. Can I... A woman walked in, a woman walked in, and she could not see, and she walked out all by herself being able to see. And I, can I get an amen from God? God's still doing this. God's still doing these miracles. Some of you are like, no way, it didn't happen. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Go talk to the blind person who said, I don't know, once I walked in, they prayed for me, I walked out. Because, see, you don't have to explain it all. You don't have to explain what happened. You, you don't even have to sometimes explain yourself to others about what happened. Now, I can tell you the story. When I met Jesus, when I, when I met evil spirits who tried to kill me, I met those spirits. And you could sit there and say, no, you didn't. I don't know what to tell you. 
You know, I mean, can't argue with what happened to me. It happened to me. You know, well, you're making it up. I remember talking to this one guy. Uh, we, we had been, uh, I had been telling him about how God healed this man. I, I really believed, actually, he was demon-possessed because we started praying for him, and he fell down, and he started shaking, and his eyes rolled in the back of his head and everything. And so we got over him, and we, we prayed in the name of Jesus. We cast the demon out, and all of a sudden, the, what I felt, the demon left, and he opened his eyes, and he was normal, and he stood up. And the guy I was telling with, he didn't really believe in God, and I was telling him, and, and he said to me, he said, maybe he had a seizure. And I said, okay, he had a seizure. We prayed for him. He got healed. He stood up. doesn't really matter whether he had a seizure or not. God touched him. He changed. And that's what happens to us, right? So we, we don't have to, when we go out and tell people about Jesus, we don't have to be theologians. We just tell them what happened to us. And I think sometimes the reason why we don't really tell people is because nothing's happened to us. Have you ever realized that when you invite someone to come to a Sunday morning, you're actually saying to them, God is there. And if God isn't there, they're kind of disappointed. Which means we need to pray, amen? Which means we need to be filled up with the Holy Spirit, which means we need to have an encounter with God so that they can sense an encounter with God. Can I get an amen? amen. So I said all today, say that, that once this woman had an encounter with God, once he, she had an encounter with God, then all of a sudden she said, I want to go into the, all the city. I want to go into tell the whole town about you. And so she ran in and she told everybody, you know, she goes, I met a guy who told me everything about myself and, 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 and you need to check this guy out. You need to see this guy. You need to come see him. And it says that the town came out. And then it says in verse 42, it says, and then the, the, then the, the people who came out said to the woman, we no longer believe just because you told us uh, of, what you, of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that he is really the savior of the world. Before we get into the conversation that, 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 uh, that the woman had with Jesus, can I just encourage you to trust the Lord to do what he does best? The, the Lord doesn't need a lawyer. He doesn't need a lawyer. He doesn't need someone to, you know, uh, to, you know, mount a defense for him to prove he exists. He doesn't need that from you. He doesn't need a salesperson for you to go out and market him. He doesn't need that. You know, you know what he needs? He just needs an introduction. He just needs you to introduce someone to Jesus. So you just walk up to them and say, listen, I don't know a whole lot, but I know Jesus touched me, he changed me. Well, what do you mean he changed you? I don't know, before I was sad, now I'm happy. Really? Yeah, you know, I, well, well, what's the theological ramifications? I don't really know. I just know that the Holy Spirit lives in me. Because like I said last week, for you, I don't know about you, but for me, when I get like confused, like when we sang that song, you know, when, my, when, you know, uh, when I'm overwhelmed, you know, when I feel overwhelmed, I, it says, give me vision to see things like you do. But what I do is I just close my eyes and I just go into my heart. And inside my heart, I, I hear Abba Father. I can hear my belief. Like I just, I just where am I going to go, God? 
To whom can I go? I know I've been touched by you so many times. I can't go anywhere else. I could try going somewhere else, but I know I'm coming back to you. You know, and, and I might not have all the answers, but I, I know where I'm going. Just That's why I said, forever all my days. Forever. I mean, I could fall down a thousand times. I'm getting up. You know, and, and people could do that to you. They, well, you look at the way. You, you look at how unfaithful you are. Look, look at this. Look at that. You, yeah, I know, but I keep coming back. Someone actually said that to me once. I was not living properly for God. I really didn't feel like I was living right. And he, he stood there and he sat there and he, goes, he says, says, Donald, you're, you're faithful. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm not faithful. I haven't been faithful at all. He goes, you're in church right now. He says, you keep coming back. You keep falling at his feet, even though you keep falling, you keep falling back to his feet. That's really what it's all about. So I really want to encourage you to invite someone to experience that thing. And, and don't try to, I mean, you can try to answer their questions, but, you know, uh, you can always say, I don't know, but go to him. Because <laughs> he knows. So let's look at the conversation and the things, like, cause, because the question really is, is what, what does Jesus do that causes such an impact? What is it that he does? How, what did he do to us? Or what, well, let's just look at what, this, what he did to this woman. But, but what does he do that is so amazing that, 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 that they changed the clocks and set it to him? Come on now, that's pretty big. Now they're trying to change it, change the name of it, but we know what it is. They set the clocks because he so impacted people. So I, I, I think the first thing, I, I really love what he does, is he loves the unloved. I mean, that, that is just the, one of the number one things. It says Jesus, uh, he, he, loves, he loves the Samaritan woman. She, she said to him, she said, she said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans. As I said before, all the Jews went around this town. Now, what you don't know is not only did Jesus go through the town, but the well that he went to was like the center of the most idolatrous area. Like it was, it was more idols in that area than anywhere else. So he went into the darkest, darkest place. He went into the, the worst of the worst places. And so I want to say to you that if anyone is here is feeling like they're in darkness, I, Jesus is coming to you. Trust me, he's coming your way. Because he, he will go, he will go into the darkest places. And the darkness does not affect him. He affects the darkness. I always say this. I said, man, if you go into a dark place and you become dark, so like if you go in a place that has, you know, things that you shouldn't be doing and you get caught up in it, it doesn't say anything about that place. It says everything about your power. And so when Jesus, the one who is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the light to the world, when he walks into darkness, guess what's coming? Hallelujah. So you can be assured if you are feeling unloved and feeling in dark places, if you're feeling confused, I can tell you now, I, I believe it even this morning that Jesus is already coming to you. I think that even some of the songs were already speaking to you because Jesus is whispering saying, I'm coming for you. I love you. Even though everyone else might not love you, even though everyone else might have let you go. And I just, I, I heard in the spirit right now, that the translators are yelling at me, slow down. 
<laughs> I can't see them, but I think they're waving back. Um, so, Because I, I know I get excited, I get going. But I just want you to know that Jesus, he is there and he, he loves you. Now, what's really interesting about, about this loving the unloved is that Jesus, he's talking to a woman. And, 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 and if we look in the scriptures, he talked to Samaritans, he talked to Gentiles, he talked to centurions, he talked to, he, he, he touched the dead. He, I mean, he did everything that the Jewish people were not supposed to do, but he did it. You know why? Because Jesus doesn't really care about race. Jesus doesn't really care about religion. Jesus doesn't really care about uh, social status. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. And when it comes to race, can I say this? Race is a man-made thing. God made everyone. He made them all different. He created people all different colors, shapes, and sizes. Sometimes we change the size the way he made us. But, you know, we, he changes. I mean, he makes them all different. It's man who builds the wall of racism. And Jesus doesn't have the eyes of the world. Jesus has the eyes of the kingdom of God. That's why my favorite verse is that every tribe of every nation, of every language coming together, wearing white robes and worshiping him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb. When we get to heaven, it's going to look, can I say it this way? Follow me when I say this. It's going to look just like earth. And what I mean by that is, there's going to be all shapes and sizes, colors. Have you ever looked? I remember looking at a wheat field, you know? I mean, I mean sorry, a, a rice field. Rice fields are out here. Have you ever noticed that? You look at a rice field. There is no straight lines at all except for the ones that man made. It's all curvy and the wind is blowing and it's flowing. And, you know, the only straight lines are the ones that man, you know, carved in so they could walk. We build straight things and square things. and God doesn't. You know why? Because I think God loves variety. He loves to make you different. He loves to make things different. He wants everything to look different. You know, I, and then I laugh because not only is, is race man-made, but, you know, like the Eastern people, you know, the, 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 the Chinese and the Asians, you know, they're all trying to keep their skin, get their skin as white as possible. Oh, they got whitener. They got all, you know what I mean? I mean, you see them when they go out in the sun, they're wearing everything. They, God forbid, you know, when, when Rachel takes Nina out to the park, you know, uh, Santi, she's like, no, don't let them get dark, you know? Meanwhile, the Westerners are going to tanning salons. They're, you know, they're trying to get dark skin. It's so foolish. You know, we're always trying to get what we don't have. You know, the, the Americans, like, they, they just look at your skin and they go, oh, I wish I had your skin. And you're looking at them going, I wish I had your skin. It's so foolish. So foolish. Foolishness. And we tend to push towards conformity. Jesus doesn't look at that. He doesn't even think about that. He doesn't want 
conformity. He's not looking for conformity. When, when someone says to be sanctified in the Lord, they're not, a lot of times, sometimes we mean conformity, but that's not what Jesus means at all. We got to stop trying to push towards uniformity or conformity, and we actually have to start looking for harmony. We need to be in harmony with people. That's what God wants. He wants us to be in harmony, not conformity. That's a hashtag for you. Second thing that, uh, I always joke about the hashtags. I was just told this morning I need to do hashtags. I have no desire to do hashtags. Someone else can do them for me. I, I, I come from a whole new age. I know you young guys, you know, you like it all and stuff like that, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, second thing I love is that he brings refreshing to the soul. He brings refreshing to the soul. I love that. He says, everyone, anyone who drinks from, the, uh, from this water, the water at the well, will thirst again. But anyone who drinks of the water that I give will never thirst. Indeed, uh, the water that I give will become in them a spring welling up to eternal life. Now, we know, if you know anything about this woman, this woman, uh, she was looking for love in all the wrong places. I mean, she had, you know, five husbands and and she was living with a guy at the time, and, and uh, so she was looking for love in all the wrong places. But if you look at the conversation, it's quite interesting because the conversation that she has with Jesus is not much different than the conversation we have with people, even when we talk about God. Because, okay, first she, she deals with the physical question. He says, the water I give, she goes, well, you know, Give me that water so I never have to drink again. She's still thinking physical. She's still thinking, hey, I don't ever have to come out to this well again. I like that idea because I've been coming out to this well and getting water. You know, she's thinking physical and he's talking spiritual things. That happens quite often when we have conversations. Did you notice that Jesus didn't answer that question? He didn't. Never answered that question. Sometimes I think we get caught up, you know, like, do we believe in creationism or do we believe in evolution? You know, who created? You know what? I don't know. I mean, I believe one thing and you can believe another. Yours takes faith, mine takes faith. But no one will ever know until we see him. Then we'll know. Oh, you'll, when you see him, you'll know that I'm right. I don't really care. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't research it and you shouldn't be convinced in it and you should be careful with what you believe. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is don't get caught up in talking about so many physical things that you don't have answers for. If God was so, you know, good, why is all the starving people in the world? All those questions. Those are all physical questions that sometimes we don't have answers for. Jesus doesn't answer that question. Then, then she, she, she talked already about race and, and then, then she talks about like worship. She's like, well, I was, she said, well, where are we supposed to worship? Because some say we're supposed to worship on that mountain. Other people say we're supposed to worship on this mountain. Basically, what she's talking about is religion and form. Are we supposed to raise our hands? You know, am I supposed to look out in the, in the congregation this, just a little while ago and say, okay, they were dancing, they were not, so they were in right form and you were not? No. How do I know that they were not really worshiping, and you were. See, we look at form. 
We look at form. We look at, you know, uh, well, that person, you know, they're going over there, and that person's going over there, and this is the way we're supposed to worship it, and this is the kind of sound we have. You know, I can't tell you how many times uh, we, we, we do different types of songs, and, and someone will come up to me and say, now those are the songs we should always sing, you know. And then we sing different songs next week, and the other person, another person, those are the songs we're supposed to sing. It's all form. It's all form. And Jesus doesn't answer that question. He doesn't answer it directly. No, he doesn't. He doesn't ever answer. So he doesn't answer the race question. He doesn't answer the physical question. He doesn't answer the, the, the religious question. You know what he just keeps saying? Taste of me. Taste me. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and, and I will give you rest. Taste of the water I will give, and you'll never thirst again. Come to me, and let's worry about those answers later. So if you have those questions, believe me, I've had them all, and I still have many, and I still, I still debate with God. I still yell at him, and I always don't hope he doesn't yell back. Um, <laughs> But I still talk to him about issues, and I still study issues. I still look at different things, I, I know, uh, and, and yet, but at the end of the day, I just want to taste him. I want to know he's in my heart, because I know when he's there, it's all okay. Ever see a little kid, you know, that feels danger? They don't have all the answers. They could. What do they do? They just run to their father. And they said, hold me. Because it doesn't mean the danger is going to me, but they feel more comfortable being in his arms. Let me tell you, Jesus just wants you to come to his arms. Jesus just wants you to come. He just wants to taste. So when you're out there talking to someone, if, if you're talking to someone, you know, and, and uh, you know, just say, hey, just taste them. I had this one girl who, uh, wow, okay, I'm running out of time. It's probably because I sang extra songs. Um, but, um, yeah. But this, this one uh, young, young, young woman, uh, I was talking to her, and it was kind of funny, you know. She was just telling me how she kind of wanted God, but she struggled with him, blah, blah, blah. She kept talking. Finally, I said, you know what your problem is? She said, well, I said, you need to get married. She looked at me, she said, what do you mean? Get married. You need to marry Jesus. So you need to go home tonight, get on your knees, and say, Lord, for better or worse, for richer or for poorer, for sickness and health, I take you. So next morning, I actually gave her a call. I said to her, I said, I, I was just talking to her. I didn't say anything. She, I was talking to her. She goes, guess what? I said, what? She goes, I got married last night, and if you, if you know me, I forget everything I say to people, so I, didn't, I had forgotten that I even told her to get married, you know. I said, what? She goes, yeah, I did what you told me to do. I got on my knees, and I asked, I asked, I asked Jesus to marry me. I said, oh, really? What happened? She goes, oh, nothing. I said, oh, okay. She goes, but I must admit, after I did that, when I prayed, I felt like I was connected to him. I felt like close to him. I said, yeah, just keep praying. Just keep going to him. 
You might not have the answers to places. You might not have the answers to things. But trust me, if you go to him, you're where my help come from. Give me vision. Maybe you feel like, like, like all alone, right? Maybe you feel like you need him. Give me vision to see things like, you know what? If you could see what he sees right now, you would not feel alone. You would see angels in this room. You would see the spiritual uh, forces in this room. And you would see the light of Jesus all around you. And so you are bigger and more part of something bigger than you could ever imagine. You just need to see it. And I know I've said this before, but when, 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 when Nina was flying in the plane, when she was going for the open heart surgery, Rachel was in the plane and she said, I've never had a more peaceful plane ride. I'm thinking, your daughter's going to die and you had a peaceful plane ride. She goes, yes, I could see angels all around the incubator. She said, I knew I was, I was in God. I knew it was peaceful and I knew we were okay. If you could only see. Oh, that, that is not a, that's not a small prayer that you sang that time. Oh, that you would see what Jesus sees. Trust me, taste of him, you'll start seeing. Let me move on. It's funny how Jesus reacts so calmly to weaknesses and may I add, may I add sin. It's very interesting. It's the only question or the only thing he actually responds directly to the woman when he's dealing with her is when she says, she says, um, she says, I, I, I'm going, uh, I'm going to go, you know, tell my, my husband or I'm, I'm not married. And then he, he, Jesus answers, he says, he says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have five husbands and, and the men that you're living with now is not your husband. So you are quite true when you say this. It's funny, it's the only time where he really like just goes right into her. But he doesn't do it in a in a way like you're a sinner. He doesn't, you know what I see happening here? Something quite amazing about the Lord. This is what I love about him. I don't think he would have ever said anything to her if she didn't bring up and she wasn't honest about it because she said, you know, I'm not I'm not married right now. And then Jesus said, That's right. And then he tells her something deep inside her. Have you ever noticed that when it's time to tell the truth, like especially if it's something, oh, they're telling me, you guys are going to relax for a while. I'm not done yet. (laughs) You had your time. I gave you extra time. (laughs) Actually, I have to finish up. I can't play around today. But um, he... He comes at her, and, and so when you're telling, oh, that's where I was. So when you, when, when you tell something, when you try to confess something, do you know you never tell the whole truth? Have you ever noticed that? Like you try out a piece of the, 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 the sin. You know, like, how many times did you go out, you know, get drunk this week? You know, you went out four times. Yeah, two, two times, two times. You want to see what the reaction is first before you're willing to tell the whole truth. Matter of fact, if someone's confessing to you, most likely they're not telling you everything the first time they confess. Because they're afraid to. I love what Jesus does. He responds to truth and asks for more. I love that about him. He says, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. See, he says, thank you for telling me the truth. Now let's dig even deeper into your heart And let's talk about the truth that's there. 
And I can tell you right now that when you come to Jesus, he, he's not nervous about like, you know, whatever you did last night. He's not nervous about whatever you did, whatever you've been doing. He doesn't get really nervous about it. He's not, a, you know, he doesn't get, oh, he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't do any of that. But I can tell you right now, when you are honest, he's going to go with you deeper. That's what's going to happen. When you, it's like, you ever see where someone like, you know, you have a thread on your shirt and you're afraid to pull it because as you pull it, more and more come out. That's exactly what Jesus does when you start telling the truth. He's going to start taking that thread and he's going to start pulling out all the crap. And he's okay with that. It's not bothering him. It's not, it's not, he's not upset. He wants to get all those lies out of you, all the untruth out of you. He wants to pour in what? Living water. That's what he wants to do with you. It's a beautiful thing. That's why he's not nervous when you finally say, God, it's time for me to confess. He's like, okay. It's great. Let's get honest. He's not like, let's get honest. I've been waiting for you a long time before you ever. I didn't do that. He's like, okay, let's, let's talk. He goes, I've been waiting for you to talk. I've been wanting for you to talk so I can help you. Give you living water where you've been dry. I'll just share one more truth and then, and then we'll stop. I'll go one more minute. Okay? And that is, it says he's looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. Now, I could get all theological on you, but can I just be very simple? Because I have a feeling... You know, okay, we can get all theological about this, but remember who he's talking to? He's talking to a woman who's been married five times, who's living with someone, who's been an outcast, who has no idea about religion because she's a Samaritan. She's all outside of everything. No one talks to her. She probably, all of this, right? I'm sure he was quite simple when he said this. I know we make theological things out of everything. I think what he meant was, if you worship in sincerity and honesty, if you actually worship truthfully and say, God, you know, I need you. God, the truth is, I've tried to do it my way. <laughs> Can I say it this way? Forgive me. It sucked. You know, I, I went after things and they didn't bring, they, they brought me some joy, but I, I'm, I'm hungry. So God, I want to worship you because I need you. I want to worship you because you're the king, because you're deserving of all the glory. You, Lord God, deserve all the glory because, Lord, you, you should kill me, and yet your grace is upon me. That's what I think is a true worshiper. Not whether you jump up and down. That's okay. You could celebrate that way. Not that you stand still, not that you sit down, not that you stand up and kneel. doesn't matter. All of those positions mean nothing. The position of your body means nothing. It's the position of your heart that matters. And that's what I think he means when he says, true worshipers. Worship me in spirit and in truth. Because I believe that if you're honest and you openly just say, God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from, right? You start worshiping in truth. Then I believe the Holy Spirit does come 
and begin to join with you in that worship. I believe he begins to join with you and he empowers you and he begins to pour living water in you. And then it, that's why it excites you, even whether your body is jumping up and down, but you feel a peace. You feel Abba Father calling out inside of you because the only way to be a true worshiper is to cry out to our Father. That's what I really believe it means. 